Hello and welcome to part two of our interview with Kit Simons. Um, in the first part, we spoke a lot about Kit's playing days and we touched a bit on his coaching and managing side. But we're going to speak more about um, your managing side, Kit, if that's okay. Yeah, of um, course. So I suppose the first question I have and a lot of Fulham fans have is, if you could, what was Felix McGaff like as a character? Because um, I know you touched on it briefly um but what did you make of his character and some of the stories you heard about him um, <laughs> well, yeah well I mean, yeah it's it's obviously a well documented time at the football club um I mean I didn't sort of work particularly closely with him to be honest I was I was taking the under 21s like the, the reserve team whatever at that stage and we, we weren't sort of working closely together, really. He very much... Um, listen, also, bear in mind, this was a, a manager who's, who's won three Bundesligas, mm. you know, came in. So I was I was hoping to sort of, like, learn from him. And But, yeah, listen, he had his own way of doing things and it just wasn't right for Fulham at that time, certainly, you know. And there are a lot of, a lot of things that I didn't agree with um, that were going on. Um, but I wasn't... Sort of, I wasn't. I was very much on the outside. I was literally taking my my under twenty ones. Um, quite a few of them were taken away from me up to that first team group. Hmm. Um, but I wasn't sort of privy to anything that went on. I was, you know, it wasn't uh, an open setup at all. Um, for example, like Motspur Park is is a brilliant training ground. It's one of the few training grounds at, at Premier League clubs now that. Um, you know, the office staff go over and have lunch with the players and everyone sort of mixes together. It's it's a really, it was a really nice feeling. Uh, I remember when Roy was manager, uh, Roy Hodge was manager, I was working at the club. I was doing some some TV work or something. I was at Anfield and Henry Winter had been in the week before uh, doing an interview with Roy. And I saw Henry then in the press room up at Anfield and he made a beeline, came over to me and said, mate, your club's brilliant. He said, the way... <laughs> The way it is, and how open it is, and how friendly, and how the, you know, the 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 guys from marketing come over and have lunch with Breda Hangerland, and it's it's really really good. And he was like waxing lyrical about it, and that's how Fulham always was, and how it used to be. And then obviously Felix Miguel came in, and it was like no one was allowed over the dining room when the players were in there. It was all shut off to all the other members of staff, and it it just became a like a horrible atmosphere there. And it was always so good. And it was something I was really proud of. And, you know, when people like Henry Winter come and make a, a make a point of saying to you how good it is, the environment, hmm. you realise, you know, and uh, you, you know, and, and then when that's taken away... Now, listen, he thought he was doing the right thing and that was what the club needed, but it wasn't, not Fulham. Uh, it, might, it might work at other clubs, I don't know, but it, it was never going to work at Fulham. Um, and it was horrible. It was a horrible time. So, yeah, so that's, that's one of the big things I didn't like. And then, you know, I say a lot of the young players were taken up who weren't ready. They were no, they're the really good young players. A lot of them have gone on and done really good things, but they weren't ready for for this. And um, I didn't think it was fair. I didn't think they'd been treated right. And yeah, I, I, you know, I didn't I didn't like it what I was seeing. Yeah, because you do hear a few stories. I think Steve Sidwell come out um, and I heard a, a, an interview with him and he said 
they played an away game somewhere um, and McGaff was unhappy. So when they got off the coach to come back, um, McGaff said to them, look, you boys are in for training tomorrow, even though he was meant to have a day off. And he actually made them stand in their positions on the pitch for 90 minutes and not even move. Um, so it did sound a bit like a military camp at times rather than, you know, a football team. Um, but yeah, I suppose it's a time of our period that we can look back on and go, yeah, I think that was a mistake, that one. Because for me, I think Muhlenstein was doing a good job. Um, and he actually, we could see some improvement under him. And then when he sort of got sacked and McGaff came in, it sort of took a lot of people, a lot of people by surprise. Um, but yeah, at least we're, uh, we're over that now. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but as you mentioned, you know, we have had a, a fairly good group of young players come through to the club. Now there is two parts to this question um, is why do you think the club has struggled um, and sort of still continues to struggle to this day to get the young prospects at the club to commit? Because um, you had like Roberts, um, Dembele, and in more recent times, Harvey Elliott and Fabio Carvalho. Why is it that we struggle to, to sort of, not to tie him down, because I know there's an age limit with contracts, but what do you think the club could do more of to get them to stay? Well, I don't know. It's, it's a really, really difficult one. I mean, the, the Moose situation, um, obviously someone that I, I knew from sort of the younger age groups and, then so I when I was first team manager and um because he was he was he was French obviously uh and the way the transfers went it, it, he was if if he'd have gone to Tottenham he's, he's strongly linked we got to Tottenham and we would have got good money for him. Um which like I say he, he wanted to go and that that was fine so for keeping him but the fact that he then he went to Celtic, which is obviously cross borders, so we just got like you know the minimum compensation um, or whatever. So that that was a tough one to take. But he want, he wanted to go. I mean, I remember I had, I had Pat Roberts in the office with his mum and dad, and they were like their their head their minds were made up. He wanted to leave, um, and he wanted to go and play first team football, and he signed for Man City. <laughs> so I was like. <laughs> Come on, you know what I mean? It's like that's it. so. I was, I mean, also at that time, you got to remember, I, I, I'd taken over from McGett and we were like rock bottom of the championship. So it wasn't an ideal situation for a player like Pat for playing him, mm. um, like too much. He, now he could come on in games if listen, if we were chasing potentially, or if we were winning. Um, you know, a couple of goals up or something, then great. I remember, you know, um, Bolton at home, Pat comes on as, you know, we're winning 2-3-0, whatever it was, and we end up winning four, and he comes on, does really well, and the crowd get really excited. But you had to be careful with a young player like that because he was, bearing in mind, he, he didn't have the physicality of, say, a Musa at yeah. all. Um, so he's very different players, and I had to protect him, you know. And I said that to, to his mum and dad in the office, listen, we'll... We'll look after your boy. We'll protect him. We'll nurture him, and we'll we'll get him the football he needs. But it it will probably be a gradual thing. But then, like I say, their minds are made up, and we went away then in the preseason. I had his agent on the phone, and you know, sort of begging me to let him go, sort of thing to Man City. And it's, it's you know, I couldn't stop him, but 
I didn't think it was the right move for him and the right thing to do. And I thought he should have stayed at Fulham. And I've seen it before at other clubs with, when I was at Palace with a young player, Johnny Bostock, who everyone was raving about. And I was like, stay at Palace. This, this is the best place for you to be to, to develop. And Stan, he went off to Tottenham and you know, didn't really kick on from there. And like, you know, you, you look at Pat maybe now, who was a really exciting prospect, obviously, then. And he's, listen, he's sort of doing okay, getting a bit of game time, but he's not, not ripping it up and probably not doing what people thought he would go and do. No. So it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one now. That there's you know, pressures put on players and their, their agents to, to make these big moves that are glamour moves. But if they're in a good environment where they're going to be looked after um, and nurtured and developed and, and allowed to flourish, then... They should stay, but you know, people don't always. This is my opinion, it's that's the right thing for them to do. But you know, they've got, they've got to see it themselves, they've got their parents have got to see it, their agents have got to see it, and it's not always the case, unfortunately. You know, um, like I say, Musa, Musa, and, and Pat are both, both prime examples. I mean, Musa was, was far more down his, his line, if you like, he was playing regularly in the first team and obviously scoring goals at championship level on a regular basis. Um, I mean, when I got sacked, we were like leading scorers in the championship. Yeah, you know, I had like Musa and Ross McCormack who were banging in goals. We just uh, just couldn't defend for Toffee, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> now I was desperate. I was promised Dunk Tarkovsky. I was promised players like this, uh, holding midfield player. I was, I was promised Kevin McDonald. Um, and unfortunately, <laughs> they never materialised in my time. Obviously, obviously, Superman came after I'd left the club mm. uh, and that was a good signing at, at championship level. Did very well for them, uh, for the club. And I, was, I was really pleased. Um, but yeah, these are the, you know, I, I knew what we needed um, to, to kick on and unfortunately never got it. It's a real shame. And touching on sort of Patrick Roberts and Moussa Dembele in particular, you know, as a fan's point of view, I suppose it, it's difficult to try and get these young prospects to stay. Because, you know, as a fan, I want them to stay. I want them to help our club build and become better. But when I suppose when you've got big boys like Man City, Liverpool come in, you sort of look at it and go, well, you know, you have no complaints. But I just wanted to know if there's anything that we could do as a club to try and keep them for longer. Because we do constantly produce good young talent. But then when we see them go for, for peanuts, you sort of go, well, what is the point? Why are we putting so much money in the, in the youth, in, in the academy, and we're not getting any rewards for it? Um, so I suppose as a fan, it's frustrating. But I suppose from your point of view as a manager at the time, it's even more frustrating. No, it is. It is. And it's, like, like I say, it is very difficult because, the, the, you know, the club, I know... Uh, from my time there, you know, Alistair and, and they'll, they'll make good offers to these young players. Well, it's not like they're not um, offering them the going rate or whatever. So financially, they'll be looked after. It's, it's just they, they view it as a better career move to move on. Now, I say I don't agree. I mean, even like someone like Assess, for example, who was like a little bit, obviously I knew him from the youth team and the younger age groups, but he was a bit after me. I'd, I'd left the club before he sort of came to the front, if you like, and started playing first team football. Um, fantastic young talent. And again, with him, I felt, 
he should have probably stayed at least another season at Fulham. It's probably too early for him to get that big move and go and, and play regularly, which is what they wanted. You know, these young kids, they want to play football regularly. So, yeah. you know, when I'm you sit in the office and he wants to play regularly, he's going to sign for Man City. I'm like, oh, I ain't going to play regularly there. Now, I know, obviously, that was there was plans then to loan him out further down the line. But, listen, we, you know, if, if he's not going to play regularly for us, we can loan him out. But he's got certainly a lot more chance of playing for Fulham in the Championship than Man City in the Premier League. That's 100% sure. Um, and he, even, like, say, Sess, who, who was, you know, was flying at Championship level. Um, personally, I felt it was probably a bit early for him to go. You know, I would, I would love him to stay another season. I think he would have um, really, really ripped it up, almost Gareth Bale-esque, you know, that season he had at Spurs. He could have sort of done a similar type of thing with Fulham then, I think, Yeah, if he had stayed that, that bit longer. Uh, but listen, he, you know, he will go on and be a really good player. Now I'm sure we'll get more and more game time now at, at Tottenham. But um, it's obviously taken him a little bit of time to, to sort of get going again. Yeah, and plus they've put they've sort of pushed him back a bit. Because, you know, when he played for us, he was up top. He was sort of providing Mitrovic with goals and scoring himself. Um, but now he's sort of playing more as a left wing back. And you could see, even at his time at Fulham, his attacking play and his, you know, his mentality and his his knack of being in the right place at the right time was there. But his defensive work sometimes lacked a little bit. Um, but hopefully Conte can get the best out of him and he does go on to have a good career. Um, well, I think wing back, yeah, I think wing backs will suit him um, going on, uh, you know, playing that system. Um, left back, I think he struggled on the defensive side of it for sure. But but playing as a wing back, yeah, I think he's still got great, obviously, opportunities to get get forward. And the way I know the way Conte trains his players, it he, expect him to get forward and back and and continually do it for the full ninety minutes. So. Um, he expects his players to be fit enough to do that. So I, th- I think I think that will suit him uh, further down the line, wing-back. Um, certainly a lot more than like an orthodox left-back, I don't think, is, is his position. But either left-midfield left or left-wing-back, I think, yeah, I think he'll, he'll, he'll go on and do really well. Well, I hope so, um, because he, was, he seemed like one of the good guys. Um, now, today is actually deadline day. Um, so in regards to the transfers with your time as a manager, but being in and around the club, um, especially under sort of the Khan era, how much sort of impact and how much say do they actually have in terms of the transfers? Um, as, as I said, I don't know if you can say as much as you can. If you don't want to say anything, I fully understand that. Um, but for us as a fan, you see like of Tony Khan, um, who does get a lot of criticism from our, our fans. And I do feel sometimes rightly so. Um, because for me, he is our director of football. Um, and you know he does have other interests, being the Jacksonville Jaguars as well as now the wrestling. Do you feel as a club we should have someone that puts their hundred percent attention into the transfer dealings, or is that when people like Alison McIntosh and other people in the club sort of have more of a say and do more around the transfers? Um, yeah, listen, Alistair has obviously been there at the football club for a very long time. Yeah. Um, so he knows the workings um, of championship and, and Premier League football uh, very, very well. Um, so he's he's very, like, relied upon heavily for, for the day-to-day, certainly. Um, 
yeah, listen, <laughs> again, this is, this is, um, I mean, there were things when I was there, situations that, that aren't in place now for, and, and that's a good thing for the football club. Hmm. Um, and there's probably other things that, you know, an outsider would probably, or even a Fulham, Fulham fan would turn around and say, yeah, I wish maybe that was a little bit different, but also, you know, there's, I think there's, there's probably small gripes or things that are not quite right. A, a lot of clubs and, and, most people will pick up on something that they'd like to see changed or different. But yeah, I mean, some of the, the recruitment obviously has been questioned um, over recent seasons, but then uh, that there was reasons for that. And I think that sort of calmed down and seems certainly this, this time um, promotion, it looks like the recruitment's been a lot, a lot more solid, if you like. And um Yes. Fit for purpose. Bottom line, you've got you know the, the club have got to be able to to compete in the Premier League. Um, you know, not be nice. I, I was reading something the other day about Fulham now are not nice to play against. Well, that's one of the best things you can hear about a Fulham team now yeah. having been newly promoted. That's exactly what you want to be hearing. Yeah. You know, so that that for me is fantastic news. If other teams are saying, oh. We don't want to play against Fulham. Brilliant. Um, so, so again, that's linked into then the work that's done behind the scenes and the recruitment and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm touching wood here as, as I'm sitting here, <laughs> hoping that that's going to last for the course of the season. You know, I think I think we spoke last time. We're potentially a little bit thin on the ground. It could have done with a couple more in. Mm. Now, today you're hearing really experienced left back. Could be a great sign-in. If you get the, if it's the William from Chelsea and not the William from Arsenal, it'll be a great <laughs> signing as well because he's a really really good player. And certainly in Chelsea days, I, I used to love watching him play. I thought he's brilliant. Mm. Uh, obviously, didn't have the same impact that Arsenal, which again was well documented there. But I'm sure there are reasons for that. Um, now, like I say, if they if they got the William from Chelsea days, and he'd, he'd be a brilliant signing for the football club. So I'm certainly hoping that's the case. Yeah, I suppose the the most common denominator is no matter what manager we have, I think even probably just after you, they've all had the, they've all mentioned the same thing is especially with the transfer windows, it's we never do anything on time, and we all, we always love a, a deadline day signing. Now, is it a, is it true that you know the longer you wait in the window, the more bargains there are to have, or sometimes does it have the adverse effect and? you sort of have to pay more because you've waited long enough. Well, it's, it's a catch-22. You can, you know, you can get bargains, certainly for sure. If if players were like maybe waiting and then thinking I might be able to go here, I might be able to go there and they don't transpire, then you can get them. But then, you know, you run the risk then of getting a player who's not really fully committed to you. He's just looking for the, the best offer. Now, you know, players are in general, and, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but sort of more mercenary these days. That's quite common, and it's a it's a job, it's a profession. They'll go and play wherever they sign, mm. and, and and be professional and give it their all. You know, so it's a bit different. My, you know, my, I wanted to be at a club. I had to want to be at that club and and give it my all, and sort of like eat, sleep, and breathe that football club all the time. I was there. But it's it's a bit differently, you know. It's different. It's a different world, isn't it? We live in these days, so understandably. So, 
So you can get bargains that way. But also, if, you, you know, maybe it's well-documented, you're desperate for a, a central midfield player, then suddenly clubs put the price up, even going to the, to the deadline. You know, they still, they know you're desperate. Yeah, and so they can they can hold out against you a little bit. So it's it depends. Like I say, it's a catch twenty two, and you've got to play the game now. You know, sort of notoriously, if you like, Fulham have played that game and gone to the last day, and will probably overall. You know, I think if you ask maybe an Alistair or a, a, a Mister Khan or something, they'll probably say, well, "And we've done all right out of it." Yeah. But like I say, you know, there's doing all right and there's sort of really knowing the players you want. Like you've, you've pinpointed these certain players. You know, you've got max evaluation. You get them in early. The manager can do his work with them during pre-season. That's the ideal scenario, you know. And you see, I think the, the it's easier for the bigger clubs, obviously. They they can quite often do that. Um get the work into place in the players during the pre-season and then, then get the rewards from it as they go on. But but like I say, certainly I, I think Fulham are a little bit thin on the ground, but what they have got in, they, they've got in well and done well. So it's certainly they're very competitive at the moment. You know, the, the, the opening results will, will testify to that. It's just probably a couple more numbers they needed. And, you know, that's it. They, they've signed a couple of very good players today. So, um, yeah, because yeah. I think Daniel James is um, near enough done as well. Someone which I'm guessing you know a lot of. Um, and I think there's one other that they were talking about. The name evades me. But yeah, we have had a good window. Um, we would yeah. have liked to have a few of these players now signed a few weeks ago, but I suppose we can't have everything. Um, but I think we are in a good place. And hopefully we do stay up this season because um, we do have... Marco Silva, who seems to be doing a good job alongside your old pal, Louis Biamorte. <laughs> uh, so I suppose when you was manager, and that's this question you can answer even when you was a coach with the under-21s and so on, who was the most hard-working player that you had? Um, that was asked by um, one of our followers who just wanted to, to know. Yeah, well, probably... I had him. I had him like youth team and the twenty ones, and then played for me in the first two. But Las Christensen or Las Vegan Christian, Las Vegan is now. Yeah, used to the proper box to box midfielder, and like absolutely worked his socks off, and used to sort of blow away all you know high speed running records and, and distance covered and things like that. Would, would run all day long. Um, he was phenomenal. Well, sorry. I liked him. I thought he was a phenomenal player. Yeah, it was. A, it wasn't like overly technical. It was a decent technician, mm. but was was a real box to box player. I remember, yeah, scored a few. Like, I think it was um, Sheffield Wednesday at home just before Christmas. I think it was. He. Yeah. We we broke from yeah from there the corner. We broke ran the length of the pitch and last ran. I think he cleared it and then ran the length of the pitch and, and scored. Um, he had that that capability. Yeah. So. For, for actual sort of endeavour and hard work. Now, he, his biggest problem for me always then was he was so hard on himself. He beat himself up over any little mistake. And he always had that, had that as a bit of a bit of a problem. But for actual doing the graft and the hard work, he did certainly put the put a shift in. Yeah. One of my... He, he, throughout your time and so on, because he left, I think he went to... Uh, 
Where did he go once he left us? Did he go back to Denmark? Back Bromley, did he? I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he just, yeah, he left sort of pretty much. So I don't think he got a look, and I don't think um, Kanovic sort of liked him, or he's already started a play or whatever. And he was, um, yeah, he, he was out pretty sharpish after I left. I think. Yeah. Uh, so this is something that we do with um, with all the ex interview ex players that we interview. It's just a, a quick fire round. It's five questions. Um, you can be as honest or as dishonest as you like. Um, uh, question number one: Who did you support growing up? Arsenal fan. Okay. Any particular reason why? Um, just I was brought up in Basingstoke, so London Overflow, so a load of my mates were were Arsenal fans, and I just sort of fell in with them. And as a sort of six, seven year old, I remember the um, seventy nine Cup final when I, when I was eight was like my my first real big memory of a of a football match running running around the garden at half time thinking I was going to be Liam Brady and it <laughs> obviously didn't quite go plan but there we go. <laughs> uh, next question is who was your sporting hero growing up? Um Liam Brady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I suppose that you know. answered that one. <laughs> um you could invite three people from all walks of life, dead or alive, to dinner. Who are you choosing? Oh wow. Barney. Um, oh, that is a, <laughs> that's one, isn't it? Bloody hell. I'll have to, let me come back to that one. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that one. Yeah. Uh, your favourite holiday destination? Um, I love Amalfi, the Amalfi Coast. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, next question is, if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Um, to see the future. And you'd, you'd win the lottery easy, wouldn't you? <laughs> everyone, everyone would do that, surely. <laughs> well, I actually had Robbie Herrera on and he said, um, what did he say he wanted to do? Oh, um, see through walls or something, tunnel vision, so we could see everything. Um, and <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> see, it's it's a fantastic question because people have their own. He, he had too many knots on the head, that boy. I'm telling you. That. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Robbie was brilliant. Um, so, yeah, that question of you can invite three people. Okay, right. Uh, Dead or alive, you know, they could be family. Um, Liam Brady could be there. Um, you know, any three people. I've got this. I've strong. Strong, he's got to come. Just for pure banter, and he, he, he tells me stories all night. He's he's brilliant. So I, I don't. Sir Les would definitely be one of them. Um, he would be there. Um, who else? Well, if, I, if I'm bringing Strongy, you got to bring Davy because they're never far apart. So I don't. I don't they're Strong and Tony Gale because they, they they come together anyway. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, everyone's seen the film Dumb and Dumber, ain't they? So <laughs> that's, uh, those two definitely, they'd be there. <laughs> um, it certainly wouldn't be a dull night. There'd be a few drinks there, and it'd be a good entertainment. Um, I don't know who's, who's okay. Um, I've got to say, someone sensible. Like, you've got to chuck in like a Nelson Mandela or someone like that, I suppose, isn't you? Or, or Elvis. You've got to have someone dead, but I can't think who. Um, well, suppose you've got two ex-professionals I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I've had Billy Braggs, my musical hero. And I, I, I met him once when I was at Man City and he was a top, top fella. So 
Billy Bragg can come. So you've got well. some entertainment there as well. That's right. I'm not <laughs> sure he lasts too long with, with Stoggy and flipping Gailey, though, but... <laughs> oh, brilliant. But look, Kit, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on um, and speaking to us. Um, I'd love to do this again in, in the future. Um, but, yeah, I wish you all the best for your time in Greece. Um, yeah. And, yeah, thank you for all the time you give us at Fulham. Um, you've always spoken highly of. And, yeah, good luck for the future. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Don't worry. Good luck. Good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks, Kit.